What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the, the podcast where you get to send me your questions on anything and everything from Catholic morality to apologetics, church teaching to even relationship advice. Here's how the show goes. I receive your questions when you send them to me at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. I pray with them, sit with them for a while, and then I respond the best way that I know how that could potentially be a help to you or your friends and family in your walk toward eternity. If the show is helpful to you, for you, then I want to invite you to, to rate us on iTunes, review us so that more people can find out about the show and continue to send us questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com to let us know how the show is going, if you find the advice helpful, and if it's not, shoot me your critiques to challenge me and help me be a better priest, pastor, and friend to you as God calls you to be a saint uh, for the kingdom of heaven. Every show we start with a glory story, but before the glory story, I, I'm going to lay down what the three topics are going to be for today so that you might, uh, might want to stay tuned. And we're going to talk today about NFP and contraception. We're going to talk about how to have difficult conversations with your family members whenever they may disagree with, with your stance on natural family planning and your use of that, particularly if they are pro-contraception. We're also going to talk about the recitation of the rosary and whether or not it is uh, a vain, repetitious prayer that is not good for us in our walk toward eternity. And finally, we're going to address working on Sundays. What do we do whenever we have to provide for our families, but our employers mandate that we work on Sundays? Are we able to get out of that or how do we have those conversations? What do we do? So before we jump into those topics for today, I want to share with you a glory story. A glory story is something good that's happened to me in the past couple of weeks that I just want to uh, bring to the light so that it might be helpful to you and your walk with the Lord. Recently, I, I was able to participate in a wedding of two of my former students from college. And it was such a gift because these two students, at one point, they both kind of strayed a little bit from being intentional disciples of Jesus and then they got to college and they were you know, doing their own thing. Of course, they recognized that the things of the world wouldn't satisfy. The, the partying lifestyle wasn't what they were created for. And so they eventually broke up with each other. And the, and the girl, she started coming to, to daily mass at Christ the King. And she began to go to adoration and she got plugged into Bible studies. And this desire that was always in her heart was beginning to, to be fulfilled by, by the Lord Jesus Christ. This joy that she never knew was possible uh, became a reality for her and for her friends. She was still getting over the breakup from the guy, and eventually the guy started coming back. And they didn't date for a long time, but they both became intentional in their relationship with God. What I love about their relationship is this, is every single saint, except for the Blessed Virgin Mary, (laughs) has a past. All of us have a past. And we should never let our past mistakes, our past uh, wounds, dictate our future destiny to to become saints. Every single one of us has some struggles from from back in the day when we were young, we're not some kids anymore. So do not ever let your past mistakes stop you from being a saint. Uh, This couple ended up dating for a while again after they became intentional in their relationship with the Lord, discerning that they were called to marriage. And the reason why they were able to discern marriage was because they no longer expected for each other to be perfect. They allowed Jesus to be the perfect lover for their hearts. And so on the day they got engaged, they decided, let's, um, let's entrust our, our marriage to the Blessed Virgin Mary's intercession 
and let's pray a rosary every single day, starting today, the day they got engaged, up until the wedding, so that when people come to our sacrament, when people come to our marriage, they can encounter the love of Jesus through Mary's intercession. And so they began to pray a rosary every single day. And let me tell you, it was one of the most powerful weddings I've ever been to in my life. It was so beautiful. The liturgy was beautiful. The music was good. It was, it was an encounter. And at the reception afterwards, person after person came up and shared how they encountered God. People who had left the church said that they were coming back. People who, who, who made up their mind, they're never going to get married. Marriage is not for me. They said, you know what? I, I recognize that, that now I desire marriage too. I desire the sacraments as well. It was such a beautiful thing. So uh, I want to encourage you, before you put on events, before you um, have functions, before you, if you're also preparing to celebrate your sacrament of marriage, how about you start praying right now? Pray for everybody that's going to participate. And this is even a model, I think, for, for everything. Before we go into meetings, we should pray for the meeting. Pray some rosaries leading up to the meeting. Pray a novena leading up to it that, that you would have the gift of the Holy Spirit to communicate exactly what He wants you to communicate. And those who, who are coming to whatever it is that you're inviting them to, that they would have the gift of interpretation of tongues so they can receive whatever message it is that the Holy Spirit wants to speak through you uh, to help them come to him, come to Jesus. It's super beautiful, y'all, and uh, redemption is possible. So don't ever think that just because a relationship was broken in the past that it can't be used to glorify God and help other people become saints in the future. So that is that is my, my glory story. And so I think now it's time to go ahead and, and jump into the show. Our first question, speaking about the rosary, it comes from Lily. Lily asked this question, Father Josh, would you please give some pointers on how to explain why the rosary is not repetitious prayer? I have friends who tell me it is wrong to recite the rosary at all, let alone daily. I just never know how to answer them. Thank you. Lily, that is a great question. Uh, please give some pointers on how to explain why the rosary is not repetitious prayer. All right, so check this out. The rosary actually, in fact, it is repetitious prayer. Uh, we recite the Hail Marys and the Glory Bees and the Our Fathers over and over again to help us to focus on the life of Jesus Christ. They help us to not get distracted, right? We touch the beads, we say the same prayers to help us to meditate, to penetrate the mystery of the life of Christ as revealed to us in the sacred scriptures. It is a repetitious prayer, and repetitious prayer is not necessarily a bad thing. Why is it not a bad thing? Well, because all throughout the scriptures, repetitious prayer is, is used. In the Psalms, there is repetitious prayer. Uh, the, the Lord's love endures forever. It's said over and over again. In the book of Revelation, when John saw the creatures in heaven, they were repetitiously reciting, holy, 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 over and over again. And Jesus Christ himself, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, whenever he was praying, he prayed the same prayer, not once, twice, but three times. Father, if it is your will, right, right, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, thy will be done. Over and over again, our Savior Jesus Christ prayed the same prayer. So repetitious prayer is not bad. I think what some of your friends might be concerned with is vain repetitious prayer. 
That's what Jesus Christ speaks about in the Gospel of Matthew. He says you should not pray vain, repetitious prayers, for, like the people who think that they will be heard because of their many words. So vain, repetitious prayer can be can be recited while doing the rosary if you're just saying the Hail Marys to say a bunch of Hail Marys. But if you're using the Hail Marys to help you to go deeper in your focus of Jesus, then it is not vain. It is, in fact, good. St. John Paul the Great he wrote this really, really great encyclical, which is a letter on the rosary that I would, I would highly encourage you to check out. And in this letter on the rosary, one of the things he said was that the rosary is a Christocentric prayer. Christocentric means it is Christ-centered. The rosary is all about Jesus Christ. And, and so what happens is, is we ask Mary, because she's our mother, and the Bible says, honor your mother, so we're called to be in relationship with our, our blessed mother. We ask her who was there his entire life, from the moment of his incarnation until uh, his, his ministry, his passion, death, resurrection, ascension to heaven. Mary was there the whole time, and she's with him now in heaven. So we ask her to help us to see him the way she saw him so that we can love him the way that, that she loved him. Um, and so the rosary is actually one of our greatest gifts that we have in the church. The Blessed Mother and pretty much most of her apparitions always invites us to pray the rosary. And in fact, in Lord's apparition, she herself was praying the rosary. And so I think it's funny. We live in a this this age where everybody's trying to find a spirituality. And, and Mary is appearing to us from heaven to earth saying, I'm trying to show you how to have a spirituality, pray the rosary. In fact, I'm praying the rosary in heaven. I'm still meditating on the life of my son, Jesus Christ. There's nothing greater that any of us could ever do than to, to meditate on, on the face of Jesus. And so I, I want to encourage you, Lily, to, uh, to continue to pray the rosary and particularly pray repetitious prayers if they are helpful to you. If praying repetitiously is conducive for you to focus on the face of Jesus, it is a good thing. But if you find that when you pray repetitious prayers that you get distracted and you're just saying words, then maybe this is not the season for you to do that. And again, one more last point. Every day I tell my mom I love her when I talk to her. That's, that's repetition. Every day I tell God I love him in prayer. That's repetition. I say, I love you, I love you, I love you. Just because I say the same words over and over again do not mean that they mean anything less, that they are vain. Uh, so repetition is not necessarily a bad thing. And in fact, I think if you stop telling your loved ones that you love them because it's repetitious, that might hurt them, and it might hurt God if we stop telling him that we love him as well. So repetition is a good thing. The rosary is a repetitious prayer. Let's try to stay away from being vain, which means we're just saying the words to say the words, but we're not actually allowing the words to do what they're meant to do, which is to be a bridge for us to encounter our Savior, Jesus the Christ. All right, so what do you guys think? Do you have any additional advice for Lily uh, with regard to the rosary, repetitious prayers, any other good resources that might be helpful to her, send them to me at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com and let me know. All right, we're going to take a, a quick break. And when we come back, we have two more questions that we're going to dive into about relationships, about how to have those difficult conversations with family members, especially when it's about natural family planning and contraception. Whoa, that might be awkward. And then also we're going to jump into working on Sundays and is it permissible to to work on Sundays if it is the only way that we can provide for our families stay tuned and I'll see you when we get back
And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash ascension presents. That's youtube.com slash ascension presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. And we're back. Just a quick reminder, you can send your questions to me at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. If you're feeling fancy, you can even record a voice note, send that to me, and we can play it on the show. Also, please rate and review us on iTunes to help other people find out about the show as it might be helpful to them in their walk toward eternity. All right, so our next question, it comes from, from Aaron, who is in Raleigh, North Carolina. He writes this, I occasionally have to work on Sundays. It bothers me a bit because our faith is very clear about worship on Sunday. I do my best to attend Mass, but sometimes I get there when it's almost over, and it's the best that I can do. I'm afraid if I bring this up to my boss, he will replace me with someone else who will work on Sundays, and I'll lose out on hours and pay that I need in order to support my family. What do I do? Man, wow, that is that's a, a great question, Aaron. A lot of people struggle with this. Uh, they have they have jobs that they need to provide for their families, and they say, what do I do about this? I, I don't want to be in sin. I don't want to offend God, but also I need this job. Well, let's start with the catechism real quick. What does the catechism say? The Catechism in uh, paragraph 2185 says this, Family needs or important social service can legitimately cause excuse from the obligation of Sunday rest. Uh, so family needs, i.e. if you have to work on Sunday and there's no way you can get around it, um, it, it it's okay. I would still suggest this. Um, I used to be a missionary, Aaron, uh, and when I was a missionary in Mexico, I was in the mountains of Chihuahua in this place called Sierra Tarumara. And the, the men and women, they only had mass a few times a year because of the shortage of priests. And they were like in the mountains and it was very difficult to get there. And I remember whenever the missionaries got there on Sunday, the people literally walked five hours, five hours they walked through the mountains just to get to the little small chapel on the top of the mountain to celebrate mass. So the first thing I want to encourage uh, for you, Aaron, and for anyone else um, who, who might be struggling with uh, being able to prioritize mass on the weekend because of work is, is check out how blessed we are in, in at least America for the most part. Most dioceses have, have mass, anticipatory masses on Saturday at four o'clock PM or after. And then there are some parishes that have morning masses that begin at 6 a.m. And then they have parishes and dioceses that have uh, night masses that start at 10 p.m. So the first thing I want to encourage you to do, Aaron, uh, is, is check out the mass schedule in your diocese. And even if you can't make mass at your parish, try to see if there's another parish, even if it's an hour away, that you can drive to to, to make it to mass to worship God. Because that, that's what we were created for. We were created for worship. And it's really important that we try our best to make it to worship. I understand that sometimes uh, whenever you get off work, you, you rush to Mass and you get there at the end. If that's the best you can do, then praise God for that. Like All you can do is what you can do. But I would encourage you to also check out the Mass times in other areas of your diocese and maybe even potentially if it's not too far outside of your diocese as well. Since the Catechism teaches that there are legitimate reasons why sometimes 
families can't go to mass because children might be sick or because you have to provide for your family, uh, provide for the common good. I, I think that another thing that you can do if you cannot make it to mass on Sunday, uh, like where I'm from in my, my parish, a lot of the guys work shift work. And so they, they legitimately cannot get to mass on Sunday. They work uh, entire weekends. Uh, I encourage them to come to mass one day during the week. If you cannot make it during the Sunday, then then have a rest day during the week and prioritize your family time that day during the week and prioritize worship of God that day during the week. If you cannot have that day on Sunday set aside because of um, obligations to to your family and to society. But I think the the main point I want to I want to encourage you to to talk to God about in your in your prayer time, Aaron, is the fear. The fear you said, I'm afraid to have this conversation with my boss. Uh, is it is the fear coming from a place of you've had conversations with your boss in the past and he wasn't too uh, too welcoming? Um, or do you know him to be a man that does not have faith and he discourages the practice of faith in the work environment? Uh, this, I would encourage you to talk to God about where that fear is coming from. In my experience, fear is typically a false evidence that appears to be real. And, and we allow it to, to affect uh, our future decisions and it, it can paralyze us. And so I would encourage you to spend time with the word of God where, where Jesus says, where God says, do not be afraid over and over and over again. Do not be afraid. And I, I want to encourage you to not be afraid because what if you are the only person that your boss would listen to when it comes to a relationship with Jesus Christ? What if God wants to use you to be the person to go out there and share your desire for mass? What's the worst he can say? No, right? Um, but even if he says no, a seed is planted. And he might say, why does Aaron, who seems like an ordinary dude, an ordinary human being, why does he want to go to church on Sunday? I haven't gone to church since I was a kid. And it might elicit something in his heart for him to turn back to the sacraments, for him to turn back to the sacred scriptures, for him to turn back to Jesus. And potentially, if he hasn't repented in a while, to repent to turn away from whatever it is that that might be holding him back from a living, vital, personal relationship with God. Second Vatican Council really encourages the lay faithful to to go out there, to go out there in the world, right? The lay faithful are not supposed to spend all their time in the church. Like, we want you to come to church to get fed, but then we want you to go out. You go out because you can go places where I, as a priest, may never be able to go. Some people will see my collar and they will automatically be turned off from a conversation with me. But you can go into your workplace environment. You can go into your neighborhoods. You can go into clubs, into bars. You can go places where I might not be welcome and you can share your love for Jesus Christ. You can plant those seeds. And then Jesus Christ in his spirit will do the rest to draw his people to glorify our Father in heaven. So I, I want to encourage you to, to not focus on what could potentially happen bad to you, but, but to dwell more on what can potentially happen that is good for your boss and, and his walk with our Lord. You have a great opportunity, and I'm going to pray a blessing over you and, and really over your boss and I, I, that the Holy Spirit will inspire you to have this conversation, to not be afraid and to do what you can do to uh, worship God and to most importantly, draw our brothers and sisters who God places in our path to worship him as well. I hope that was helpful to you, uh, Aaron from Carolina. And if anybody has any additional advice that might be helpful, send me a message at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. And I will follow up with Aaron in a later episode. 
Speaking of communication, our third question is from Candice, who hails from Chicago, Chi-Town, the home of Kanye to the West, who is all over the media right now. Um, so this is Candice's question. She says this, my, my mother-in-law doesn't believe the church's teaching on contraception. And she frequently makes passive aggressive jokes about how we're just going to end up with tons of kids because we're using natural family planning. When we announced we were pregnant with our first, her comment to my husband, her very first comment to my husband was, I told you so. I'm so upset about this, but I don't want to confront it because I don't want to jeopardize our relationship so early on in the marriage. What do I do? Wow, Candace, that is, that's a great question. And I'm sorry that there's some some awkwardness going on in your family right now, particularly around contraception and natural family planning. For those of you who don't know, uh, contraception is uh, used by a lot of people. It's given to a lot of girls early on in life for different reasons, but it's it's not the most healthy healthy drug. It actually it can really really cause harm. It can cause cancer. It can do a lot of damage to the to the female body, even if you're you're not having sex. It's just it's not good for us. Uh, and so there are typically other ways if you meet with like a Creighton fertility care specialist that you can address um, issues with the body, like if you have bad cramping or an irregular cycle or whatever. And so there are other ways that can help help you that aren't contraceptives. Uh, so how do we have this conversation, though, if you and your husband discern we're going to use natural family planning, we're not going to be on the pill. How do you have a conversation with a family member who is anti NFP and who is pro contraception? The first thing I would encourage you to do, Candice, is to simply ask your mother-in-law her experience of contraception. Ask your mother-in-law her experience of natural family planning. Potentially, she may have had a really bad experience of NFP, and it may have in some way, shape, or form wounded her because of maybe the methods she was using or, or her husband's lack of involvement, of practicing NFP with her. Um, I don't know. Ask her her experience. You might be able to have a, a healthier conversation if you first hear her story and listen to her story. Uh, how do you listen well? That that's, This is something I think a lot of people, including myself, we struggle to do. How do you listen well to someone else, particularly someone else who you're having issues with? Well, before the conversation even happens, I would encourage you to start practicing fasting. St. John Chrysostom says that we should all fast, not just during Lent, but we should fast throughout the week, throughout the entire year. And if we fast from things that we enjoy, things like music, when we're in the car twice a week, if we fast from taking hot showers twice a week and take a cold shower, if we fast from salt and pepper in our food, if we fast from a meal here and there, then we will open ourselves up to be able to fast from the pleasure of always saying what we want to say, even if we're right. Sometimes it's best to in the beginning to just fast so that we can actively and intentionally listen to someone else. And after we listen to someone else, if you listen to your mother-in-law and she tells you her experience of NFP, her experience of contraception, go home. Like thank her for sharing after she shares with you and you say, thank, thank you, mother-in-law. Um, I haven't thought of it that way. Do you mind if I go home and pray with what you said? I'm pretty sure she would appreciate that because she would feel heard by you. You will witness to her what it means to listen to someone else and then come back and, and let her know at a later conversation. Hey, I remember when we talked about contraception and natural family planning, this is what you said here. I spent some time with God praying about what you said. And this is, these are some more 
some more thoughts that came up about our conversation. Uh, is this what you meant? What do you think about this? But witness to her that you actually listened to what she said, because you are going to now ask her to listen to you. And if you don't listen to her, if you're not a model for listening, then why should she listen to you? She might say, you didn't listen to me at all, so I don't care what you got to say. So after you've listened to her and she knows she was heard, then share with her what I call the three F's. The three F's are facts, feelings, and future. The fact is, my husband and I, your son, we practice natural family planning, and you have made jokes about us at Christmas or at Easter. And you said, I told you so whenever we revealed this great gift in our marriage that we are pregnant. It made me feel disrespected. It made me feel hurt. It made me feel um, unwanted by you. It made me feel like my child was unwanted. What can we do in the future so that I don't have to feel this way around you? Uh, would more conversations about my experience of natural family planning and the gift it is to me and my husband be helpful? Would just you being aware that you're offending me be helpful? See, sometimes I think that we assume people know that they're getting on our nerves and that they're saying things that are hurtful. Sometimes people legitimately have no idea that they are the most annoying people in the world. And they won't know if we don't ever tell them. Remember, David was messing up and Nathan went and told him. And in the, in the story of the prodigal son, the son told the dad, the, the brother of the prodigal son, he said, Dad, you never gave me a party. You never did this for me. And the dad said, my son, everything was already yours. If the son would have went to the father, the brother, right? If he went to the father and said, hey, father, I feel like I don't have anything. The father could have told him a long time ago, but he just assumed, right? If you just communicate, communicate your thoughts, your feelings, your desires, things that are hurting your feelings, things that are going really well, you can open the door for, for someone else to have a conversion of heart, to, to, to be informed in a new way of thinking that could potentially change them, and to be aware of ways in which they're affecting you in a negative way. Even after you have this conversation, Candace, with your mother-in-law using first active listening skills that's, that's really cultivated through a spirituality of fasting, and then through, through sharing your facts, feelings, and future with your mother-in-law, I would, I would encourage you to give her a season of grace. Uh, conversions don't happen overnight. Uh, whenever I first encountered Jesus many years ago, I had a lot more vices then than I do now, and I still have vices today I'm struggling with, and he's still purifying me today. Uh, but he didn't say to me, okay, Josh, uh, this vice is wrong, and if you don't stop, I'm going to cease being in a relationship with you. I'm going to cease drawing you to holiness. No, he walked with me. He accompanied me very gently purified me over time. And so I think that uh, as you express ways in which your mother-in-law is hurting you and your desires for her to not do that in the future, it might take her time because potentially this has been her personality her entire life. And so just give her the, the grace that God has given you. Give her an opportunity to slowly be transformed over time in her walk toward eternity. And so uh, that's that. What do y'all think? Do y'all have any additional advice on how to handle communication with both bosses and communication with family members? Uh, shoot me a message at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com and let me know. All right. This is the show for today. And so let's go to some universal points that we can draw from the three topics. The first point is this, is when it comes to prayer, Pray the way that is most helpful to you for you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. 
How do we know that we're growing in our relationship with Jesus? The typical discernment tool is virtue. If repetitious prayers are helpful for you to focus on the love of Christ and to receive his life-giving grace, his transformative grace, then pray repetitious prayers. Pray those divine mercy chaplets and pray those rosaries. Pray those novenas. If it's not helpful to you in this season, then be open to other ways that God might be drawing you to, to grow in this season, which might be Eucharistic adoration, might be Lexio Divina of the sacred scriptures. But the goal is to grow in virtue. And there's going to be different seasons where we're drawn to meditative prayer and other time and vocal prayer and other times where we're going to be drawn to contemplative prayer and just sitting in the presence of our Savior. So the goal is to grow in our relationship with Christ. The typical discernment tool for growing with Christ is virtue. If repetition helps, go for it. If repetition is not helpful and you find that it's been vain for you lately and you're just saying the words, then then be open to, to, to changing up a little bit. There's also really cool ways to pray the rosary, like the Paul VI rosary, where you add an attribute to the life of Christ after each name of Jesus in the Hail Mary prayer. We can go over that in a future show, but that's just some, some tips on ways in which we can uh, go deeper into the mystery of Christ through the rosary. If you are experiencing work on Sundays and you're struggling with, oh, I don't know what to do, I would encourage you to at least have a conversation. Have a conversation with your boss, your employer. The worst thing they can say is is no. But the best thing that can happen is a seed can be planted that can uh, enable them to draw their mind to Jesus. And potentially they may have never thought about Jesus their entire life or at least in the, the recent years. And you could be that instrument that God uses to draw them to him. And then just do your best to to prioritize worship on another day if you cannot, absolutely cannot make it on on Sunday. And finally, with regard to difficult conversations with family members, practice listening first. Show whoever they are that you desire to listen to them. Fasting helps us listen. And after listening, pray with the conversation, go back, have follow-up conversations, and just share the way that those facts made you feel and discern together ways in which you can continue your, your relationship in the future with hopefully a different outcome than what is happening now. As always, let's uh, end in prayer. Jesus, we love you. We adore you. We worship you. We glorify you and we honor you. I ask that you give me and all of our listeners the graces that we need to listen well to you. Give us the grace to fast so that we can open our hearts to listening to you. And in listening to you, we'll be able to listen to each other and share our hearts with each other and our walk toward eternity. Draw us to heaven. Help us become saints. We ask this prayer, Jesus, in your name. Amen. All right, y'all. I had a great time spending this, this time with y'all today. I look forward to meeting with you again right here on Ask Father Josh next week. Be sure to rate us and review us on iTunes so more people can find out. And also shoot us your questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com so we can continue walking toward eternity together. God bless. <laughs>